What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. The All Sinners Podcast, episode 157 on this Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. Three weeks left in the regular season. Josh Calloway in Oklahoma City, Ryan Chapman and more, John Hoover in Tulsa. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Man, I feel like we're ready to attack these final three games. Three-quarter point of the season. Who's not fired up for the final three games of the of the regular season? Yeah, very excited. I just hope that uh, we can find a response for, for every fourth down we face as opposed to, to what this Oklahoma team has done. Yeah, no, it, it, that uh, fourth down was an issue. So if we do better on, on that, then uh, we'll uh, – it's not going to be hard to do better, I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, we'll see how that shakes out. Oklahoma heads West Virginia this weekend. i got three games left in the regular season, like we said, starting with Morgantown this weekend. Bedlam at home, and then they end at Texas Tech in late November. We'll start how we usually do. We'll get to that game shortly. We'll start how we usually do. Wrap up Baylor real quick before we get on to uh, more present matters. Baylor game, looking back at it, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, my opinion hasn't changed too much at it, having gone back and looked at it some more. And Baylor's better. Um, Oakland was close. I mean, they, they were right in this game. Um, I, I will say, I mean, I, I saw it was a it was a mega spin zone from a couple of fans that I saw, but it is true that this was a more competitive Baylor game than last year. If you want to spin, if you want to do that, look for any kind of positive um, out of it. Baylor's better, um, you know, right now. Dave Rand is a really good coach. Oklahoma lost to a better football team. I don't, I don't have much more to take away from it than that, really. Yeah, I'll, I'll borrow from Mike Gundy here. What I thought Saturday night was pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> yeah, he uh, Brent was um, he was agitated, was he not? Saturday night, um, angry a little bit, not at us, uh, although he kind of veered that way a little bit with a couple of questions. Uh, no, he was angry at the I thought the response, or at least he projected, I should say, he projected as being angry to the response that some of his players had, um, in. Clutch situations in fourth down situations, third and short. Uh, they were three for six defensively, three for six stops on third and short. But two of those became fourth and shorts. And, of course, as we all know, they converted uh, three for three on fourth down. So that turned out to be on short yardage situations. Um, five of six, is that what that is? And there were several other short yardage situations, like first and goal from the two where there was no resistance. So, yeah, Brent Venables wanted a little more out of his guys. Toughness, physicality. Um, he, he, now, yesterday at the press conference, he projected a different kind of vibe, which was one of we're back at it, uh, we're confident, we think we, we're, we're confident we can get this turned around. So, you know, a lot of energy in yesterday's press conference, but I don't think there's any question he's not backing down from the high expectations. Yeah, and that's... I guess better that he still has that energy and that response than maybe what we saw in the um, yep. Kansas State to, to TCU week, stuff like that. But still feisty and, and picking fights that aren't sensical. Like I asked him about the fourth downs. on they, they were three for three on fourth down, Baylor was. Two of those three drives turned into 14 points, and the other one was a Billy Bowen interception. So – was asking Brent about responding to the fourth downs. Everyone knows it's deflating, all that stuff. How do you make sure that fourth down doesn't equal touchdown every time a team converts? And he kind of rejected the notion, talked about how he sees every fourth down as its own season. We've responded before. So I went and looked, and Oklahoma's had eight drives this season defensively where an opponent has picked up a fourth down. And guess what's happened on five of those eight drives? touchdowns not field goals touchdowns twice against k-state loss twice against baylor loss then the other times you had one against iowa state which made that game a seven point game now later in that game oklahoma staved off two fourth downs on the final possession when the game was kind of already won so credit to them and then you had the billy bowman pick against baylor and then the gentry williams interception on the meaningless last drive of the game all the way back against UTEP. So while that's great for the stats, when games are in the balance, five of seven times Oklahoma's given up a fourth down, the opposing team has gone and scored a touchdown. So I don't know what Brent Venables is watching. They have not responded. They haven't. 
plain and simple. And that's been a theme all year long, really. It feels like outside of maybe the doing a good job on third down against Baylor, where they then got beat over the head on fourth down because they couldn't stop the run. Good job, Ryan. Um, Brent Venables asked you to do your homework. You did your homework. I love it. I can remember taking you back to 10th grade algebra. I didn't do my homework, and my football coach hit me with a board. He literally <laughs> hit me with a board. I got swats. I got licks, whatever you want to call it, because I, I didn't do my homework. So, uh, yeah, good job, man. Hey, we, we try. I, I'm open to all assignments, just – I hope that at the end of the day, what I dig up is what you want it to be. And I'm sorry for Brent Venables. That's probably not the picture that, that he'd like to see from his defense. Yeah, that segues nicely into, and we'll get into West Virginia in a minute, but just what did you guys think of, of Brent yesterday at his press conference? He was definitely um, a little bit with an edge to him. And I, 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 many things that he said didn't, I didn't, I didn't love, um, there was a lot of more excuse making than he's made before. Um, it's specifically in regard to talking about the inexperience of the defense, talking about why the defense is so bad. Cause he's feeling just question after question after question about, you know, in a roundabout way asking why is the defense so bad, you know, basically is, is just different ways to ask it basically is kind of what he's getting over and over. Um, and he pointed to the inexperience level, which, you know, Hoove and I talked about on the rap yesterday. He's not wrong. I mean, everything he said was factual. A lot of these guys haven't started very long, but trying to act like David Aguebu or Jaden Davis or Justin Broles are the, are these guys that are just like right out of high school. Like he's just, you know, painting a uh, picture that's not, not true, not accurate. So I don't know what you guys thought of him just kind of trying to wipe away the defensive problems with just kind of, Hey, a lot of these guys are inexperienced and it takes time. I mean, it's like, we're at the end of the season though. We're a full season. I don't know. I, it didn't, I didn't really buy it. I, I know that, and I don't think, Josh, I don't think fans buy it. I don't think fans are interested, this fan base is interested in hearing, oh, well, they haven't played a whole lot. They, they don't care. They want you to recruit guys that don't have to play a whole lot. They want you to, to develop guys when they do get on the field that they look like they've played a lot. Uh, that's the main thing. Um, he went, he kind of went down the two deep, or the at least the starting 11. He went down the starting 11. Uh, Reggie Grimes hasn't played much. Jordan Kelly's been a backup. Uh, Jeffrey Johnson has played a lot, but guess what? It was at Tulane. He had to transfer in. Uh, Ethan Downs hasn't played much. First-year starter. David Aguebu, really a first full-time starter for the first time. Uh, he's been a you know in-and-out guy, rotational guy for the first three years. Uh, Danny Stutzman in his first full season as the starter. Uh, Jaden Davis, two years at the end of this year, will be two years as a starter. Billy Bowman, uh, first-time full-time starter. Uh, Key Lawrence, you know, backed up at Tennessee, comes here, back, was a backup last year, was in and out of the lineup, rotational guy, first year as a starter. And then Woody Washington, same thing, has been a starter, but not a full-time season-long starter. The only guy on the list that Brent Venables threw out there was Deshaun White. Yeah, so that's where the Oklahoma defense is. And I don't think he's, and he said this, he said, look, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just letting you guys know where it stands. He's right. He's 100% right on all that. And I think there will be fans out there who say, yeah, let's cut coach some slack. He's right. Let's get him time to get his own people in here. And he deserves that. He deserves the consideration from the fan base, from the media, from the critics, from whoever, uh, from his athletic director, for sure. He, he deserves that consideration to be given time to get his own guys in here. Having said all that, I was a little surprised he went down that path because he had a list of guys. He had the list in front of him. And he yeah. talked about their career starts, and he talked about their lack of experience. Yeah, we talked about Baylor playing more physical on Saturday. One of the reasons Baylor plays more physical, their offensive line played more physical than the Oklahoma defense, is because they've got guys who are experienced. They've got guys who uh, they're good players, but they're more experienced, and they're older, four fifth-year seniors, one sixth-year senior, something like that, on their offensive line. This is a, a Baylor offensive line, or at least a front that is experienced, knows where they're going, plays with confidence. And so you get those combinations of confidence and experience, knowing what the hell's going on. You start to see guys play physical. And so that's what that's where I think Brent Venables was most disappointed was a bunch of new guys. And even Deshaun White, when you think about it, Deshaun White is a first-year player in Brent Venables' system. All these guys are. So cut him some slack, but at the same time, I don't see any reason to you know relent on your expectations. Yeah, I think that this press conference was the closest we've gotten to it. And Josh has talked about this before. Porter Moser, which 
We're going to get into that in the third segment of how Border Moser and Brent Venable's press conferences are about to start sounding exactly the same. The Spider-Man yeah. memes we all uh, threw out there were well warranted. But this seemed like the closest that Brent Venable's basically got to like, what do you want me to do with these players? You know what I mean? Like the guys are the guys when you talked about the inexperience. But also, if you take that answer and then you put it next to another answer where I believe it was Barry Trammell had asked Brent, you talk about physicality, getting out physical. Is that about is your team just not big enough up front size wise? And then Brent completely rejected that notion. He's like physicality is experience. Like you just said, who, but he also talked about, there's a talent to it. There's a talent to striking. There's a talent to blitz time, all, all that. And, and he said, he named about 10 different things was his quote that, that aren't just related to size. Okay. Well, if that's all talent. And that means that the talent he has right now is not performing. And whether that's because they're inexperienced or they're just not as talented, th- this seemed to be as close as you've gotten to what What else am I supposed to do with this crop of players? I think we're kind of starting to see that because we, we talked about it, Brent Venable's demeanor in our postgame pod, which is at all Sooners on whose YouTube, all, all the places you normally get it. But we talked about that this one more than any Brent Venable's just seemed irate at the result. And I think that a lot of his challenging to the questions is not come from a place of screw you guys, things like that. I think that this is a coach that doesn't have answers because I think that he's seen like he's like Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday during the week. We're doing everything we need. Then it comes out on Saturday and doesn't translate. And I don't think he knows what else to do with this crop of players. What about the end of the press conference, which uh, who had the last question? a la Lincoln Riley's final question ever as head coach. He had the final question uh, on this press conference as well. Um, and you, he asked about, you know, outside noise, because Brent Venables in, like, I think it was the second question, pretty much took a question that was about Bob Stoops from Eric Bailey, about Bob Stoops, how maybe what how he got it through rough seasons. Brent could take from that, you know, this season. And he took it and went a totally different direction with it, talking about, you know, kind of was attacking everybody in the room, basically, uh, you know, for writing what we write and saying what we say on various platforms about the the state of the team. Who asked about it at the end of the press conference? You know, does that affect you? Does it affect the players? Blah, blah, blah. And he kind of, you know, he did. And then the, it ends. And I, I wish, apparently I need to wait another, like, beat on flipping my camera off because I flipped the press conference is over and he's walking away. And he said, does anybody want to ask me about West Virginia? Basically frustrated that every single question he fielded was about what's wrong with Oklahoma, which is yeah. all we care about. And most fans have said that too, because a couple couple beat writers threw it out there like that he said that. Most of most replies I saw were no, nobody wants to ask you about West Virginia because yeah. the team is a debacle right now. I mean, it just kind of shows where he's at right now mentally. Brent, he's he's frustrated all around. He, he's he's frustrated. Uh, you guys, you're not going to believe this. I got a. a- Twitter follower today who complained about my question and told me to read the room and then said, not one question about West Virginia to which I read the room. And I was not the only one who didn't ask one question about West Virginia. The entire room didn't ask a question about West Virginia, you idiot. So yeah, thanks for the career advice. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to ask the questions that I think need to be answered. And when the coach says something that perks my ears up, I'm going to ask a follow-up question on that topic. So This reminds me every year, you guys, whether it was Lincoln Riley or Bob Stoops, every year Kansas would come to town or Oklahoma goes to Kansas. Not one question about the Jayhawks. Well, the Jayhawks don't suck anymore. It's West Virginia who sucks. They just lost to a team that was uh, winless in conference play, Iowa State. And we're supposed to uh, inquire about the importance of of West Virginia. No, that's, that's not generally how these press conferences work. When it's all hands on deck, four alarm fire, the place is burning down, and uh, and <laughs> and we're supposed to ask about what about West Virginia's uh, three man front? Uh, what uh, what what do you see out of those guys? That's 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 a read the room question right there. Don't ask it. I I'm just following what Brent Venable said, which is that they want to be an inside out program. Everything is about Oklahoma. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. You have to be the same each week. I I thought that was also the the thing. You, you can't have that both ways, and also. Don't be five and four, and people will be more concerned about how you're going to survive this road test to Morgantown against a team that's averaging 47 points a game at home on the scoreboard. Uh, guess what? Your, your defense isn't playing well no matter who they play. It doesn't matter what West Virginia's averaging. You want to know what is happening with this team and how is, especially when you have recruits that were going to be flipping 
and have flipped since the press conference, when you've got all that stuff, that's what is important for the years in the future and, and what this program is going to be, not a does Oklahoma beat West Virginia this week, yes or no. Also, smart guy, I was uh, – I think I asked – correct me if I'm wrong – in-depth questions on the opponent against Texas, against Iowa State, and against Baylor. So uh, this is not the week to ask an in-depth question on the opponent. It's just not. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely not. And uh, we'll dive into West Virginia as best we can in the next segment. But, yeah, they stink. <laughs> and, frankly, I mean, just Oklahoma, I mean, most – that's not – how the matchup with West Virginia is really low on the totem pole for uh, – yeah. You know, what's, what's up with Oklahoma hey, right now? Even the guy that asked the question every week on the matchup on the upcoming opponent didn't, <laughs> didn't ask about the upcoming opponent. Precisely, precisely. So, yeah, Brent Venables has had a lot of really good press conferences. Um, he, he's He's been fun to hear all year. He's a loon. He'll talk about one thing for 10 minutes. He'll go on tangents. Um, yesterday was not his best, in my opinion. There was a lot of, uh, like, if I'm an OU fan, I don't want to hear that you know, type of things. There was like 10 things like that. You know, whatever you improved the most over the course of the year, investment, we're practicing well, growth. Yeah. That's not what I want to hear. I want to hear where we're actually getting better on the field. Right. Uh, run game. He did say they're getting better in the run game, continuing to get better. Yeah. Um, I, Looking I, at results is too shallow. That's a Mike Stoop special, if I ever heard yeah, there. It really is. just gross. Yeah, this is a results-oriented business, but you can't get hung up on the results. No, you have to get hung up on the results or you find yeah. yourself unemployed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's, uh, I, I was, I was mostly intrigued by, by his demeanor and his, some of his answers on Saturday night when, especially when he said, I've been talking about discipline for 11 months, you know, like what else am I supposed to do with these guys? So it's, it's a, and I'm extrapolating there. There's no question. I'm putting words in his mouth. Uh, but that's what we do. It's a podcast. Yeah, it was, uh, the shallow thing too was, Brent Venables has, again, from that exact podium, talked about, you know, I'm not going to tell you guys that we are having good weeks at practice if I don't think we're having good weeks at practice. And then earlier in the season, there have been times where he's like, but that doesn't matter if you don't win the games because what is football about winning the games? And now suddenly when you're five and four, it's too shallow. I'm just like, we get it. The program is more about more, all that stuff, developing people. Great. You know what's not going to get funded? Your sole mission if you're five and four at, you know, all the way through non-conference every single year. That's, that's not going to happen. Just remember, guys, he sees everything, he hears everything, and he reads everything. So shout out, Brent. Shout out, Brent. Brent shout out, Brent. Like I said, <laughs> a lot of really good press conferences this year. A lot of great quotes. A lot of good in-depth answers on a lot of things. But yesterday, to be fair, best. To be fair, it's tough. Uh, first year guy, you inherited a roster that's not yours. You inherited a roster that might not be what uh, last year's picture painted it as. Um, to be fair, it's tough. I, I feel for him. Um, and I've told you guys this before. I knew him when he was the defensive coordinator, co- covered him heavily when he was the defensive coordinator. I've been rooting for him for, since day one. Everybody likes Brent Venables personally. Everybody. And I've, and I've told you this before. I've never met one person that I know not one who comes away from a meeting with Brent Venables and says, you know, I don't, I don't like that guy. There's something wrong with that guy. Everybody likes him. He's the most likable person there is. So um, yeah, we, we want him to do well. We want him to succeed and not for a rooting interest in OU or Boomer sooner, any of that stuff. He's a good dude and he deserves to have success. And we'd like to see him have some success in his career. 100%. And uh, yeah, like Ryan referenced earlier, we'll get to basketball at the end of the show, but the parallels with Porter Moser are, there's a lot of them uh, with first year hodgepodge transfer portal teams, close law. I mean, there there's a lot of parallels there. And uh, we'll talk about basketball's latest disaster <laughs> later in the show. Um, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll dive into this game. West Virginia, Oklahoma, Saturday in Morgantown. Only three games left in regular season. Oklahoma still needs another win to get to bowl eligibility. Will they do it this weekend? We'll dive into that next on the All Sooners podcast. All right, you guys have heard me talk about this before. I'll talk about it again. Our friends at Trade Pros developed the All-Star service program for homeowners and business owners that demand the absolute best from their HVAC systems. Sign up now for the All-Star service agreement, 25 bucks a month, and the guys at Trade Pros are going to come out two times a year for routine maintenance. Plus, you get two pounds of Freon every year at no charge. And get this. 
if your heating or air unit needs work, it's not going to cost you anything if the repair is under $500. If it's more than $500, your cost comes in at just 25% of the Trade Pro's price. Routine maintenance includes changing and cleaning the air filters, carbon monoxide check, thermostat check, safety switches, inspect pilot assembly, check fan motor, refrigerant check charge, all kinds of stuff. Listen, just call Trade Pros, 405-639-9991 or check out their website, tradeprosokc.com. On Twitter, you can follow all Sooners at all underscore Sooners. Ryan's at underscore Ryan Chapman. Who's at John E. Hoover? I'm at Josh M. Calloway. Our website is allsooners.com. We are a Fan Nation affiliate, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. All right, so this weekend, Oklahoma, West Virginia, in Morgantown, 11 a.m. Central Time, noon Eastern. So you guys get a little bit of a, a little extra sleep there, uh, up there in the Northeast in Country Roads. Mention West Virginia, they're in last place. Uh, in the conference now, three and six after losing to Iowa State, they do have a win over Baylor on their re- on their uh, whatever I'm looking for here resume, which is kind of weird. And they played TCU tough in Morgantown, so they've been pretty good at home and pretty awful on the road. Uh, unluckily for Oklahoma, this game is obviously in Morgantown, um, but this season, I mean, at home they took Kansas to OT. They they beat Baylor. They lost to TCU close on the road. They got killed by Texas Tech, killed by Iowa State. So they are a very different team in Morgantown as opposed to on the road. We'll see what they do this weekend. Thought that Neil Brown was not going to coach this game. There was a lot of rumors flying around that he was going to get let go. Didn't happen. He is still there. Um, this may be his last game if Oklahoma goes in there and wins. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. But Neil Brown firmly on the hot seat. And uh, like we referenced earlier, they are last place now after losing to Iowa State. So this is a game that Oklahoma, you want to talk about rock bottom. I know it's on the road and everything I just said. They're a different team in Morgantown, but you got to win this one. Have to. Early thoughts on this game, or initial thoughts, I should say. Yeah, you can't can't beat Oklahoma if you're going to go on the road and lose to the last place team in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, They avoided that when they went to Ames and beat the Cyclones. They need to do the same thing against West Virginia. Uh, I want to read some of these these uh, point totals and yardage totals. 2012, OU scored 50 points, had 662 yards. Uh, 2014, 45 points and 510 yards. 2016, 56 points, 485 yards. And 2018, 59 points, 668 yards. Hate to say it, but Oklahoma might need that kind of performance to beat this Mountaineer team this year. Um, I'm not putting any money on Oklahoma's defense to get any uh, consistent stops, okay, against a West Virginia team that's explosive and talented offensively. JT Daniels is doing a pretty good job up there. I know they don't want to be in last place in the conference, but they're this close to winning at Pitt. Uh, the games you mentioned, Josh, they, they hung 43 on Baylor. And if correct me if I'm wrong, but Oklahoma just lost to Baylor in Norman. This team yeah. at West Virginia is a good football team in West Virginia. This is going to be a real task for Oklahoma. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier. In their home games this year, they've averaged 47 points a game. Now, one of those games is against Townsend. Okay, One of those games required overtime against Kansas, but they still got there. So Oklahoma's going to have to score. The question will just be, can Oklahoma – whose run defense has just continued to be awful, um, can that group find a way to have enough success to force West Virginia and Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator, to to go one-dimensional and and do this thing through the air? Because right now, Donaldson, Mathis Jr., Johnson Jr., those guys average six yards a rush, five yards a rush, 4.3 yards a rush, respectively, for West Virginia. It's not like, oh, my gosh, they're going to blow you away. They want to bowl over you like Baylor. But uh, this West Virginia team still is kind of the middle third in the country in rushing offense. So it's not like a they're, they're only going to throw the football. They're going to throw the football way more than they run it. But the, Oklahoma's got to find a way to have enough success to put West Virginia in second and long, third and long, because what I mentioned earlier, fourth downs, guess what? West Virginia's top 10 in the country as far as aggressiveness going for it. They're converting 71%, 71% of their fourth downs. As we mentioned earlier, 
you're going to have to curtail that in some way. And Oklahoma's allowed about 52% of fourth down conversions this year. The easiest way to do that, and this is just really simple, is make West Virginia sit there and think about a fourth and 10 instead of a fourth and one. You know, I looked at the numbers from the game book the other night, and Baylor's average uh, third down to go was 8.2 yards. They had Baylor on average at third and eight. And what did they end up doing? They, they only made four of what was it, four of 13 on third down conversions. Again, we talk about it three for three on fourth down. But a lot of those were in short yardage and clutch situations. Uh, yeah, they made Baylor Pond a handful of times, but you've got to be better than that. You've got to be more clutch than that, more uh, poised in short yardage situations. And that's another thing. Speaking of poise and composure, don't rip off somebody's helmet after you've got after you forced them into a third and long because that's an automatic first down and they get to keep the drive going and you still have to stay out there and play defense. That's a real problem uh, for both. You saw that both the offensive line and the defensive line made those mistakes, those penalties that really impacted the bottom line, really impacted points. So you just can't do that. Uh, Brent Venables is frustrated right now because his team's not showing composure in those clutch critical situations. Oklahoma currently an eight-point favorite uh, in this game against West Virginia. And I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, Ryan, you weren't there. Um, you were over at basketball. But they are looking like they're going to wear the Rough Riders this weekend. Uh, they were practicing in them, uh, wearing the helmets and whatnot uh, on Monday night when we went over to Everest to talk to some players. They wear them against West Virginia every time. I can't remember the last time they played West Virginia and didn't. It would be more noteworthy to – to say that they aren't wearing them. It should just be a given that they wear the Rough Riders against West Virginia uh, at this point. So factor that in however you may uh, this weekend in Morgantown. What's the key matchup uh, in your guys' mind here uh, as far as position group or even individual player for Oklahoma that needs to needs to deliver or this, this could get dicey? Is there one in particular that you know catches your eye uh, in this in this matchup? Well, that's a good question. I'd like to say the defensive line or the defensive front seven, but I'm not sure that they can win any of these battles coming down the stretch, uh, even against a team like Oklahoma State, which is injury-riddled, back, playing backups across the, the offensive line. I don't know that the Oklahoma front seven can, or six, however many, <laughs> however many they choose to deploy, uh, I don't know that they can hold up. So I don't know that that is a good matchup or a, a compelling matchup. I'm just going to presume at this point that, that they're going to lose that matchup. So um, Marvin Mims against the defense, against the West Virginia defense. You know, this is a defense that has proven over and over again that they're susceptible to the deep ball. Uh, they're susceptible to a high-octane passing attack. Uh, if Marvin Mims catches a few deep ones or has the opportunity to catch a few deep ones, um, D Dylan Gabriel's got to hit those. Same with Jalil Farouk. We saw him do that against Iowa State. So uh, I'm going to say the uh, OU passing game has to hit the deep balls this week because – I don't know that they're going to have that many opportunities. It's like I said, they got to score. They're going to have. They might have to score fifty to win this game. Yeah, the passing game's got to be firing on all cylinders. The OU run game can't take a step back. It's got to be as good as it's been all year long. It was really good against Baylor, which is a tough matchup for them. It was more penalties than actual production that hurt Oklahoma's offense on the ground. But for me. It could very well need to score 50. I totally agree with Hoove, but at some point the defense is going to have to make a play or two. And so what I'm looking at is Deshaun White or David Aguebu. Those guys have been probably your best blitzers at times when Brentman was dialed that up. JT Daniels is not the most mobile guy in the world. And he's shown he has a little bit of pressure. If he gets hit, something like that, 13 touchdowns to eight interceptions. And this Oklahoma defense, they, they did get a pick against Shapin. They've shown over the last three games, if you throw it to them, they can catch the ball. They can bring down the ball. It's not the defense of four or five years ago that you felt like if it hits them in the numbers, it's not going to matter, right? That's not been the issue. It's been the run defense. So for me, in individual moments, a guy like David Aguebu, a guy like Deshaun White, they've got to win those battles blitzing or putting a little bit of pressure on Daniels. That way... Oklahoma secondary can have an, an easier chance maybe to feast on a couple of these errant throws that, that Daniels will t throw out there. I'm looking at the, uh, the uh, West Virginia two deep two, and um, they've got a corner with six starts. They've got a, a linebacker, outside linebacker, hybrid guy with four starts. They've got another uh, safety with eight career starts. They've got another safety with eight career starts, and they've got another corner with seven career starts. 
backed up by a guy with six. So put all those things together. It's an inexperienced secondary still trying to figure things out. It makes sense why they're giving up big plays. Oklahoma's got to take advantage of that. Yeah, to piggyback on uh, on Ryan's point, you know, West Virginia likes to throw the football. They have three receivers that are all having pretty nice seasons, uh, three-headed monster there. And then their best running back, C.J. Donaldson, who was off to a, a great start to the season. He's out for the year. Um, he went down a couple weeks ago, I think it was, or at least a week or two. So they don't have their top running back. And they have JT Daniels. They they like to throw the ball a lot. Sean White talked about that this week. Uh, C.J. Colton did as well in the player availabilities. So it's going to be a t- – I mean, getting a pass rush is certainly going to be important. That's been – elusive for Oklahoma pretty much the entire season other than Nebraska <laughs> early in the year. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I look at that and I, I fear that for Oklahoma having three guys for West Virginia that can get open and make big plays. And then can you cover all three on any given play that, that, that would be worrisome um, if you're, if you're Oklahoma. So interested to see how that looks. And that's where Ryan's point ties in, you know, get a pass rush. Don't make it all on the back end to try and stop these guys. So we'll see what they can do. JT Daniels, certainly a serviceable quarterback. He's on his third team for a reason. He's not amazing, but he's serviceable. He can, he can play. He can throw it around a little bit. He used to be, was he a five-star originally? He was hot. Five-star that was so highly touted. He reclassified and basically skipped his senior year to arrive to play for Graham Harrell at USC. There you go. There you go. So obviously, uh, yeah. So he's, he's got, uh, He's got ability, so we'll see how that looks. Might be a high-scoring affair uh, in Morgantown, just like the last time Oklahoma was in Morgantown, uh, which was four years ago, 2018, which was so long ago that I was still in school at that time. And uh, I was at that game, and it was cold, and it was insane, but it was a fun one on uh, Black Friday. Kyler Murray ran for a, a jillion yards, and Oklahoma got multiple defensive touchdowns in that game. Shout-out Caleb Kelly and Curtis Bolton. Uh, Josh, did Kyler Murray also convert like a fourth and four pass in the final two minutes yes. to keep a drive alive? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, like to seal the game, right? Cause they, they're like, the they, game, yeah. they could give the ball back, but Lincoln Riley was like, no, yes. <laughs> Will Greer and that defense and, uh, that West Virginia offense at OU defense in hell. <laughs> yeah. Brent, I'll tell you this, just to borrow from that image that you just, that visual that you just brought up, um, Brent could have had that opportunity last week on a fourth and four yeah, uh, to go for it. Instead, he chose to punt it. And what does Baylor do? They march it right down for a touchdown. It's like, Oh, probably should have went for it there. He said, he said that uh, he wanted to punt it, but yeah, that's, that's one of those moments in, in coaching in a, in a young coach's career or a new coach's career where you look back on it and you're like, our defense probably didn't need to be on the field right there. I think Lincoln was able yeah. to sense that uh, back in 2018 in Morgantown. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, Real quick, if if that decision changes, right? Because uh, he had talked about in the post game, he didn't want to seal the team's own fate. Jeff Levy had talked about on, I don't know if it was post game or on Monday, that basically they need to get to like a fourth and two for Brent to feel good about going for it with them. And they didn't get it to a fourth and two, it was a fourth and four. You flip the next drive, Baylor's in fourth and one. Score Williams gets two yards on that fourth down play on a fourth down play that Brent Venables is like, we've got guys in the A gap and the B gap. You got to make the play. So it'll be interesting to see if that's the lesson learned through these last three games, because this is not what anyone's here, but Brent Venables is right in the fact that you win these three games, you go to a bowl game and win a bowl game. That does create some momentum, which doesn't mean anything for the fan base, but that does mean a lot for the guys that come around and stick around next year. As far as the, Hey, we got dogged all year long, but if you remember that four game win streak that propels you into the spring and all that work, as opposed to a, here we go again, one eye on the portal, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of funny. I'm just looking at West Virginia's, some of their team numbers, JT Daniels, 27 rushing attempts for negative 37 yards. (laughs) Is that good? Pretty good. (laughs) It's not, it's not that good. Uh, I did see Josh, 61%, 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions for JT Daniels. Yeah. So uh, not the most prolific. Uh, he will throw it to the other team. He will throw it to the other team. And Oklahoma's been a good job about that in those two latest wins, Kansas and Iowa State. Um, had the one against uh, Baylor, but you gave it right back <laughs> with an interception like yeah. three plays later. So, And that's huge for this team, too, moving forward. Um the last three games, Dylan Gabriel, three turnovers, three turnovers. Uh, I think he's he's responsible for five of those. Um, but seven turnovers in the last three games for this Oklahoma offense. You know, 
Eric Gray fumbles for the first time in his in, of the season, maybe his career. Um, yeah, they're on a they're on a streak right now where where Oklahoma's the one giving the ball away. So this whole thing, I, I, it kind of tires me out. You guys are idiots for saying that, and, and not just us, everybody, um, callers, you know, texters, commenters, whatever it is. This isn't the offense's fault. The, the defense gave up this many yards, and the offense has 500 yards and 35 points. They should win. Yeah, they should. They also shouldn't throw three interceptions and have seven turnovers in the past three games. This is why you're seeing this team struggle like this. So mm-hmm. to absolve, to just say the defense needs to be better, the offense is fine, is idiotic. The offense is absolutely not fine. The, off- the offense is contributing mightily to the struggles that this team has had. The defense is worse. It's maybe 60-40 right now, maybe 70-30, something like that, 65-35. But the offense is absolutely contributing to the losses and the and the troubles that this team is having. 100%. 100%. So we'll see what uh, if they can just, for the love of God, play some complimentary football this weekend. Like we talked about in the post game, it's been anti-complimentary. One side cannot pick up the other at all. They can't put it together um, for any kind of a stretch to, to win one of these, these close games. So we'll see what happens. We'll have our official game picks on Friday, but uh, with scores and everything like that. But as of now, Wednesday afternoon, does Oklahoma win this game? Why or why not? Oh, I think they win. I think they're the better football team. Can they can they get out of their own way, as Brent Venables has said about eight times this year? Can, can they get out of their own way, Yeah, uh, make enough plays in crunch time, uh, make enough plays that matter, um, not stat stuffers, but plays that matter, plays that break down a drive or plays that can – can they deliver? This team has not been able to deliver. And what you're talking about is right, complimentary football. It's a term that gets used probably way too much, but – this team's taking it to the extremes. You've seen great special teams, good offense, and good defense at Iowa State. And then the week later, you see bad special teams, bad offense, bad defense against Baylor. How can you go backwards that far a week after playing maybe your best complimentary game? So if yeah. they do, if they win two of the phases or really dominate one of the phases, I think Oklahoma's the better football team with better talent and uh, probably not a coach that's going to be fired anytime soon. Yeah, I'll, I think they'll win. I think they'll win because, like who've said, it's not an OU's the better football team. It's a West Virginia's the worst football team thing for me. But it's just different when West Virginia is fighting and clawing to save a coach's job versus being in year one of Brent Venables where, while this is tough and all that stuff, I think if you listen to the postgame pod we talked about, like, I think any of us are hitting the panic button on what Brent Venables can be in three, four years. It just sucks to be in this in year one. And it's going to take time, and that's where the real work and the real money will be made is turning this thing over. I just think it's two different energies, and hey, the buy-in's been there, and the intentionality in practice has been there. So I think that'll help Oklahoma against a team that uh, appears to be spiraling in the Mountaineers. Yeah, I think they win too, but... Who knows? I mean, it, like we said, West Virginia's been a lot better up there. So I don't know. Um, flip a coin. I don't know if I take Oklahoma to cover the eight. Say that it's going to be a high-scoring and uh, competitive game in Morgantown. Should be fun. Um, and keep up with us, AllSoons.com. We'll have you fully covered. All right, we'll take a timeout here. We'll come back. Uh, recruiting update. Not a good one for Oklahoma. We'll dive into some other stuff. Look around the Big Twelve. As soon as the NFL, Joe Mixon had a just insane day. And we'll also talk about that basketball debacle that we, we uh, teased a little bit earlier. All that next on the All Sooners podcast. Hey, are you a business owner looking to get your product out there to the masses? Let's say you run a hotel in Norman or a car dealership in Oklahoma City or a restaurant in Edmond. Or maybe you're a small online business who creates and sells OU merchandise and you just want Sooner Nation to come sample your wares. Well, then consider advertising in this space right here on the SI Sooners podcast. SI Sooners reaches thousands of readers, viewers, and listeners literally every day. And the SI Sooners podcast is the ideal place to find your next customer. To advertise, send an email to allsoonerssi at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter at all underscore Sooners. Final segment of the All Sooners podcast, episode 157. Get this one last few things here. We'll send you on your way into your weekend. Thanksgiving right around the corner. Getting excited for that. Good good vibes. November. Weather's still pretty good. The cold front's coming through. Not looking forward to that this weekend. You guys are actually dodging 
it's gonna be warmer up there. You're you're leaving Oklahoma when it gets real cold to go to the tropical West Virginia, which is I'm insane. From, I'm from Alaska, so I'll say what I always say. Thanks a lot, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just All happy Canada I'm not gonna freeze on the field. That was my biggest panic because I was like, not only am I having to like bug Josh and be like, hey, this is a skill set that you've got that I'm trying to just do do some uh, cramming. I would never do that frozen. That, that's not the uh, ideal thing on the field. Let it go, Ryan. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> yeah, the one time I've been up there, it was quite cold. Shouldn't be as bad this time around. Uh, noon kick up there. It's nice and sunny for you and uh, all that good stuff. It'll be freezing up here, but uh, I won't leave the comfort of my house. So it'll be all right. <laughs> I'll crank the heat up. It'll be fine. Let um, it go, Josh. <laughs> there you go. Let's talk about some recruiting uh, real quick. Not good. We're not going to get into it too long. Your Oakland fans don't want to hear about it too much. But Colton Vasek, uh, four-star edge from Austin, Texas. Texas legacy. We talked about that a whole bunch at the time that they got him. It was a huge win for Oklahoma at the time. But it always seemed a little sketchy. It was always seemed a little like you don't trust it until signing day. Yeah. This is why he flipped to Texas yesterday. It was widely speculated for a while. Uh, his Twitter activity really was a tell for like weeks. He was liking and retweeting everything under the sun, Texas. Um, and he had a quote. Who was the quote with? I don't want to, I think it was he, on three. Maybe? Yeah. He to Hayes Fawcett on three. He basically said he was at OU Texas yeah. as an Oklahoma commit and it didn't feel right. Yeah. And he was basically like inside, like I should be with Texas the whole time, which I wonder mm-hmm. you, you can't but wonder did this, how much of the scoreboard play into that. Um, but he flips. He's a good player, uh, four-star edge, top 20 edge in the country, depending on where you look. Um, it was a really good get for Oklahoma. Now you lose it. I mean, the spin zone here, at least from my perspective, would be that this is not a player that you should have ever been able to get in the first place, a guy from Austin to go in there and take him out. But it does still obviously hurt to had him and then lose him. Uh, yeah. tough, tough blow. It's a, it's a little bit of a gut punch, and I don't mean like yesterday's decision. Uh, because we saw that coming for weeks. I'm talking about just the, yeah. the loss of Colton Vosick overall. At, at some point, this thing changed from uh, from an Oklahoma perspective. Well, I really hope uh, Texas doesn't offer him. To Well, I hope uh, te- Texas doesn't recruit him very hard. To I hope he doesn't take a visit to Texas. To Crap, I hope he stops visiting Texas at some point, because he visited Texas, like living there, of course, just a few miles from the, from the campus. Uh, he visited Texas quite a bit. So, um, yeah, probably a, an unrealistic bonus. But at the same time, there's been kids come out of Austin and, and certainly Texas. You think about a guy like Brian Bosworth coming out of Dallas, right? He wasn't offered by Texas, so he hated Texas, right? Okay, so he grew up liking Oklahoma, like Baker Mayfield coming out of Austin. Mm-hmm. Grew up liking Oklahoma. Yeah. But had he gotten that offer from Texas – probably would have strongly considered playing for Texas. Didn't get that offer and said, screw you guys. I'm talking about Bosworth and Mayfield. Mayfield didn't ever get the offer, of course. Uh, a guy like Derek Strait wasn't a huge um, wasn't a huge offer, wasn't a huge prospect, I guess. Oklahoma got him, and he became a Texas nightmare. Uh, kids grow up from, from Austin, Texas, and they become a, a nightmare because they go play for OU and they hate Texas. So uh, Paul Thompson, another good example. Uh, Mac Brown wanted him as a wide receiver out of Leander, which is just north of uh, Austin, I believe. Um, he wanted him as a wide receiver, offered him as a wide receiver, went to camp there, and he wanted to go to Texas, but he wanted to play quarterback. Bob Stoops offered him as a quarterback, so he comes to Oklahoma and you know plays against Texas. So there's guys who have done what Colton Vosick was about to do, but I don't think very many of those guys could be considered like Colton Vosick, a Texas legacy. His dad played there. They used to go to games when he was a little kid. He loved the Longhorns when he was a little kid, uh, wanted to go there, wanted the offer. And then finally, when the offer came, oh, yeah, probably I need to go to Texas. So uh, congrats to him. Um, I'm sure he's going to have a good time at Texas. But here's a, the tricky thing. You can't burn any bridges if you're Oklahoma. You can't. People are talking about, well, they need to shut that down. No, you got to keep recruiting him because two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, he might be in the transfer portal looking to come back to Oklahoma. So it's 2022. You got to keep those bridges open. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think it just stings so much because of what position it is, right? Oklahoma stinks on the defensive line right now. And 
I think Vasek's going to be awesome wherever he goes and plays, but recruiting's imperfect in, in that sense, right? Just because you have stars next to your name doesn't mean you're going to pan out to be a great player. What it does mean is that his floor is so much higher that, than someone that would be a three-star or something like that. But also, there was a time right after Vasek committed where you're looking at Oklahoma's defensive line class, and you've got P.J. Adewore in the boat. You've got Derek LeBlanc coming along. You've got Vasek. And then you felt really good about David Hicks, who's the number one defensive lineman in the country. How do you turn this thing around? Is you say, okay, well, maybe Hicks doesn't hit, but if you sign Hicks and Vasek and LeBlanc and Edouard and the other three are studs, all of a sudden you have difference makers on the defensive line in depth. And now, obviously, Hicks did not come around to Oklahoma, should be visiting this weekend, but not come around to Oklahoma. Vasek flips, and you're standing there going, Man, Adeboré and LeBlanc are great, and you love to have those guys, but four is better than two, and that's how you get to where Brent Venables wants to be, where he's talked about building that nature every day on the practice field where you can't have bad habits because if you have bad habits on the practice field, you're not going to play because there's so much talent. That starts by getting all of those guys in one class, and I think that's just the disappointment because there, there was a moment where Oklahoma really looked like they were in position for all of that and, and different stories for different guys and all that, but – you had that carrot dangled in front of you if you're an Oklahoma fan, and now it's back to the, hey, you're stoked for for two difference makers potentially in, in Adebore and LeBlanc. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll see if uh, how many of these guys they can hold until signing day, which for Oklahoma right now can't get here fast enough. We are yeah. in the heart of flip season uh, right now, so we'll see how that shakes out. And keep up wallstreams.com uh, and anything else that comes on the pike, we'll have. We'll have it for you. Um, speaking of those Texas Longhorns, they play the premier game in the really in the country this weekend. They play TCU at home. TCU four in the college football playoff rankings. Clearly and obviously, the Big 12's only hope uh, right now because everybody else in this conference has at least three losses, which is insane. Um, it's TCU or bust for the Big Twelve. They go to Austin this weekend. Elsewhere, you have Iowa State going to Stillwater. Kansas State plays at Baylor and Kansas at Texas Tech. Like I said before, this conference, which looked really deep, now just kind of looks kind of kind of stinky. Like there's not really anybody that's any good except for TCU. Texas with a chance to play spoiler this weekend. I mean, has there ever been a game the Big Twelve wanted one result more than TCU not losing in Austin? I mean that that's nightmare for <laughs> uh, for your mark in the Big Twelve. Nightmare fuel. Uh, they're at Baylor next week. TCU is so uh, doesn't get any easier. I don't think they have to go to Waco. And Austin back to back weeks. So um, wait, is this this week's game? Yeah, it's in Austin, right? So um, in Austin, yeah, in Austin, yeah. in Waco. Then they end with Iowa State. So if you you should win that. So frogs living on thirty five W for a little while, yeah, uh, for a couple of weeks. But yeah, that's I I saw one betting house was offering um, both Baylor and Texas as favorites. Texas is a six and a half, I think, point favorite this week. Is that right? So I have seven right now. Texas. Seven. It's climbed. Yeah. So man, that's that's tough. Uh, your mark and those guys absolutely need some help from TCU to rise up and get to the college football playoff. And they've been playing well. They've been playing. What cracks me up though is um, the Boo Korg and the the you know the, the executive or not the uh, the commissioner, the chairman of the uh, selection committee said last week, well, we graded TCU down because they were be- they were behind in some of their games, which is preposterous. And then what does TCU do against Texas Tech? They get behind and oh, have wow. to come back again. I'm like, well, it's geez, they're going to knock them out of the top ten now. <laughs> uh, but, no, they climbed them up to number four. You're right. Last best hope for the Big 12 is uh, TCU. Yeah, a prayer circle for Quinn Ewers because this TCU defense is bad. But they're they're they've got a little 2015 OU in them that they're just like look yeah bring me all of your backup quarterbacks we'll come one come all so we'll see if uh, Ewers can survive the TCU curse this week. Yeah, I don't know how TCU keeps keeps doing this um, and getting away. They're getting how do they keep getting away with this? They keep uh, they face an injured quarterback every week. They they injure. That's just what they do uh, apparently. And I'm not suggesting it's anything intentional, but. It's unbelievable. Uh, it really is like insane every week. Uh, and it happened again. So, yeah, Quinn Ewers should be shaking in his boots. Hudson Card, stay loose, basically, is what we're trying to say uh, this weekend in Austin. Up in the NFL, it's a pretty light week. Uh, a lot of teams on by, but Joe Mixon, holy moly. Five touchdowns, over 200 total yards. 
just outrageous. It was the second highest fantasy football day of all time, uh, points <laughs> scored. I think only Jamal Charles had him beat uh, from like five, six, seven years ago. I can't remember when it was. Massive day, though. I mean, only the sixth time in, in NFL history, five touchdowns, over 200 yards. The other guys, Jerry Rice is on that list. I mean, it, it it's big time. Um, what a monster game for him. The only other big NFL Sooners thing was that Baker got back in for the Panthers in the second half, played pretty well, had a couple of nice touchdown tosses, but the Panthers still on stadium. They went back to P.J. Walker this week. They played Thursday night against my Falcons, and it's going to be P.J. Walker uh, under center. But Joe Mixon, obviously the story. Yeah, good stuff for Baker because he's he's able to put some some quality snaps on film uh, when this season is over. Sure. Uh, there's going to be teams out there who say, "Who who can we find as a backup quarterback? Who can we who's out there right now that's not on contract that could be a good backup for us?" And there's going to be a lot of teams look at Baker and go, "Hey, wait, remember that game that he played week uh, week nine, week ten, whatever? Um, you know, came off the bench, was uh, was efficient through two touchdowns. Move, you know, uh, I guess a lot of that was." prevent defense i'm not a big believer in that in uh early third quarter of nfl games but uh he took what they gave him and moved the team down the field so maybe this is uh the first step in baker mayfield's next chapter yeah and did what he needed to he came in there because you could have come in down a billion and down your starting job and start forcing balls left right and center that's not what he did He, he looked mature steady all that stuff it was a really good second half from baker in an otherwise Dreadful performance there. But, uh, yeah, Joe Mix was awesome. I also thought it was cool for Jalen Hurts on Thursday night to go back home to Houston, play against the Texans, and have a really nice performance. There was some weird stuff going on with not once but twice. It felt like the left side of the offensive line just didn't understand that the play was starting. One of those led to one of the Hurts fumbles. But uh, despite all that, not a great Houston team by any means or anything like that, but could have been a moment where you go home, all the emotion, all that stuff, and it didn't bother Jalen Hurts, and he's continued to chug along and tick up these MVP odds. Still undefeated, those Eagles. They're undefeated, um, and their schedule's not real tough. They they can keep this up for a while longer. So we'll be watching that as we go, uh, certainly. And uh, don't forget, every Monday you can see a full recap of how all the Sooners did in the NFL on All Sooners. Dot com. Wrap up with a little bit of basketball. We'll talk about the women in a second. Let's dive into the men first because what the hell happened? They lose the season opener on Monday to Sam Houston State. That happened. Um, I was at Ryan was at this game. I was at the game for most of the first half. I then left to go do player veils. I came back for the last like five, six, seven minutes, and I was just I was left in a in a daze because they crumbled. I mean, they absolutely crumbled. They they had this game. The offense was bad the whole time, but they had this game completely under wraps. They were up by 14 with like eight minutes to go. Sam Houston almost doubled their points in the last eight minutes uh, for the entire game. This is a debacle loss. I mean, as as disheartening of a way to open your season almost as possible to, to collapse and blow this game at home to Sam Houston. So, what you said to start this segment, what the hell happened? Isn't that exactly what Porter Moser said after the game? <laughs> Pretty much. He was he was yeah. fiery. He was fiery. Um, one for 11 shooting from three-point range in the second half and 21 total turnovers. i got to believe that's not the, the result that Porter Moser wanted when he put this team together. It's Listen, it's, it's gonna see, we're going to see a lot of the same things this year that we saw last year. Maybe the team gets to the NIT. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe they put together an, a run late that they can get into the back door, uh, into the NCAA, maybe. But this team's got a long way to go. One of the one of the strong points was team chemistry, right? Because they went to Europe and they played three games and they went to Normandy and they looked at uh, all the all the history and got to know each other and got to liking each other and team chemistry and team chemistry doesn't do you any good when you're hitting one for eleven from three point range in the second half. Yeah, the the defense was there for the most part until the last four minutes. That's something that Porter Moser talked about, that he looked at the last four minutes last year, and it was the defense in crunch time that really got him beat, in his his opinion. Uh, The defense was really bad, again, which was just a bad flip because they they had been suffocating almost for, for, uh, you know, 
30 minutes of that to, to be fair. They had 29 to with like, I think it was like 841 yeah. to play. Yeah, 29. They, they went on that 8 0 run to build that 14 point lead that you're talking about and then just absolutely threw it away. Only four shots, four field goals total outside of Grant Sherfield and the Groves Bros were hit. That's got to change. I guess the, if you're looking for how does this thing get better? Porter Moser immediately diagnosed that they were way too east-west and didn't have enough guys that attacked the basket. And then he kind of mentally thought out loud. He was asked, um, I think Eli Letterman of the Tulsa would ask about Bamisil only playing three, four minutes in the second half. And Moser basically said, went with the guys that knew the defense essentially in the second half. And as he knows the defense more, they'll be able to work Bamisil in. And then you'll have a lineup that can get get to the rim a little bit better because uh, that's just not going to happen when Jalen Hill, Jacob Groves, and Tanner Groves are all out there at the same time. So it sounded like Porter Moser, before the game, he even had said that the lineup's going to be a fluid thing as, as they kind of acclimate guys in. This team, it look, I don't give a damn about the defense, what your rotations are right now. You have to find a way to either insert Milo Suzan or Joe Bamisil into the starting lineup right now and let them learn that way. And the other guy's got to be quick off the bench because you can't have a stagnant offense like that. It's the same thing we saw in the exhibition, except, you know, it, it was intentional, all that stuff. I get that. I understand that you weren't running all your sets. Maybe you should have because this team needs to uh, <laughs> have every set that they need installed and executed perfectly if they're going to shoot like that. Well, guys, help is on the way. Jacob Cole signed today. Today's National Signing Day, the first day of the National Signing yeah. Day fall period. So, uh, yeah, Jacob Cole, four-star uh, swingman, I think. Um, he is uh, signed with the Sooners. And that's the, I believe that's the only one they're expecting today. Yeah, it is. Uh, that That's my impression. That's the only one. But, uh, yeah, rough. Rough way to start the year. I mean, all the positive energy, year two, they got more athletic. They had these transfers, got these freshmen. There's a lot to be excited about. And, I mean, you, you lay a stinker out of the gate. I mean, that that's rough. That's really rough. So we'll see how they bounce back. They play Friday night. Um, I think Arkansas Pine Bluff, who kind of pushed TCU for a long while in Fort Worth on Monday. So we'll see what they do. We'll see how they bounce back. Um, can't really start the season much more disheartening and discouraging than that, really. So we'll see what happens on Friday. Meanwhile, the women, they got their season started as well. They could not play a more opposite style of basketball than the men. I mean, it's it's insane. The men lost 52-51. The women won, what was it, 105-94. to I mean, different sports with the way that these teams play. They approach the game. Jenny Baranchek's team is just all fast scoring. We'll worry about the defense and rebounding later. We'll outscore you. And uh, Porter Moser's team is all defense grinded out. We're going to clamp you. Um, but the women get off on the right foot. They're 1-0. A lot of excitement, 15 in the preseason poll, and you're off on the you know on the right foot. Third in the Big 12, pick third in the Big 12, because for the third consecutive year, literally everybody is back. I don't think we've seen that in college basketball before. Yeah, it's they don't believe anybody. Yeah, and, and just to go out there, first game of the year, first quarter of the year, set the school points record for points in a quarter. First half <laughs> of the year, set the school points record for points in a half. Uh, that'll do donkey. And then in the second half, uh, working a lot of people in I, I saw people concerned about the defense of the second half, but look, that was the perfect opportunity to actually give those girls a run out uh, and act kind of get that first game one, all that stuff, all that underneath you. So, uh, they've got what SMU for field trip day this Friday, It'll yeah. be interesting to see, can they keep that positive momentum going? And I have to believe that that second half defense would be a lot better if they weren't just so far out in front uh, in the first half. 100%. They're going to be a fun team to uh, keep up with throughout the season. Um, and obviously high high expectations. They made the tournament last year. We're second round. You're hoping for more now in uh, year two. With like like who said, the entire team back. So we'll see what they can do. Uh, this season was certainly off on the right foot. All right, I think that's it for us. Thank you so much for watching, as always. Ryan and Hoove will be in Morgantown and hanging back on this one. So keep up with those guys up there in uh, Country Roads throughout the weekend in West Virginia. We'll have tons of coverage for you on allstudents.com as per usual uh, leading up to the start of that game. And, of course, during that game and afterward, full reaction, all that good stuff you know by now. Tenth game of the season, Oklahoma and West Virginia on Saturday. You guys going to do certified fresh at the stadium, I assume, like normal? Absolutely, certified fresh. So it'll be Ryan and who catch them on Saturday night slash Sunday morning, whenever you find it. You can catch that show. 
on iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Amazon, able to find us, say Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. Let's post on our website, allsooners.com. Click on the playlist on your phone, your tablet, or your computer and watch all the shows on Hoove's YouTube page, John Hoover Media. That's it for now. Ryan Hoover will see you in Morgantown. Catch you then. For Ryan Chapman and John Hoover, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll catch you guys next time.